Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wake up in the morning feeling like Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. Hello, podcast fans. Howdy, hi. Howdy, how? What's your I visit? just gave you the opportunity to start this podcast and you still let me do it. Do not claim to be the podcast starterer ever again. Okay, it's fine. I, you can have that. Oh, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've, uh, I've been quite busy, actually. Um, Haven't we all? I think I've become a social media influencer. <laughs> you're a, a want be influencer. It's, I'm a little bit concerned that you're going to make Simone come out and take photos of you against walls of Southwest London or like you crossing the road, looking into the middle distance. What is going on? Hashtag this, hashtag that. Never um, hashtag tryhards. Well, I wouldn't, I, well, I would if there was um, social media. I mean, I think now I'm a, now I'm social media um, guru. I feel like... Um, you're going to need to pay me for each post. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, when you start <laughs> posts, I'll start paying for them. <laughs> I just think back is absolutely killing me from carrying this podcast and ah. the social media. So now that you are an influencer, hashtag Nolly, hashtag tryhards, hashtag Amazon Prime, hashtag Guinness, um, maybe you can do that. Maybe yeah. you, can you know what? Hand up. We- we actually didn't talk about it. I did it a few weeks, the hashtag share your poor with Guinness. And um, it was honestly the most entertaining half an hour for me. Not so much for Simone because he had to take the photographs of Koya and I. I dressed her in a rugby shirt. Is it share your poor P-A-W or P-O-U-R? <laughs> oh, I should have changed it. But then I that's thought, not the point of this. <laughs> telling me, I was like, share your poor. Like... I'm not getting the Guinness dog connection, but okay, share your paw. And actually, on the back of it, I mentioned um, Kate, who is like Miss Super Amazing, high up at Guinness and Diageo Ledge. Um, We were texting about it, and then we were saying, how cool would it be to have Six Nations Guinness stash for your dog? Oh, yeah. My dog's going to love that. And actually, I went to the pub on Sunday because we're not in lockdown and had a couple of pints of Guinness and there were a lot of dogs in the pub. So it feels like a natural. Are we, are we stealing the hashtag, hashtag share your paw and hashtag share your paw. Yeah. Um, so pint of Guinness and your dog. But the idea is to, to, 
to be sharing it from your sofa um, because obviously in England we are locked in we are locked down um, we're coming out of it soon but yeah my other stuff I'm quite disappointed actually because for the first time in probably 15 years of international rugby career I showed my kicking skills on um, Instagram and Twitter and you didn't even see you didn't many, even recognize I, well I, I you just signposted me to it so I looked at it before we came on here how many takes did that take for you to backheel a ball into a little basket? Shall I tell you the secret? Go on. I, pra- I practiced in my dressing gown, came downstairs, dressed, fully fired up. Um, didn't quite get the camera angle for the first couple. Nailed it on the third take. Genuine story. <laughs> I, uh, the only thing I would say about that is, could they not have found a bigger jersey? Because I don't think you were swimming in the one that you're wearing there. <laughs> Do you wonder if they think they were sending that to you, Flats? Like, did Michelle get the sizes wrong? And if so, I want to see Flats in the jersey that you should have had. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, talking about shirts, you've led me on. Bam, you haven't even done it on purpose. On. I also did, my other influencer hashtag was hashtag <laughs> get your shirt on with the RFU on Sunday. Did some mate. live did some live YouTubing. Um, <laughs> YouTubing. <laughs> for um like a sunday morning session for mini rugby and i literally got to embrace my inner children's tv presenter red coat rugby coach very very energetic nolly um and my challenge so i was asked could i come up with a um challenge i think they wanted me to come up with like you know a heel flick or like a spinning on your finger or whatever i decided that um keep it simple try celebration um and uh, honest to god some of the videos and photos i had shared with me on on social media was absolutely class the little ones that were getting involved in the sessions um it was brilliant and we had a um, good try celebration throwing it up in the air like you yeah that was genuine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happens dropping up from a world cup final oh sorry yeah, about that obviously um so you know, yeah so talk I, about ball spinning so i on saturday um, worked at one of the games um the wales game and Elliot D, I don't know if he's like just learned to do it, but he was like a little boy all the way through the warm-ups. He kept just spinning the ball on his finger. And I was a bit like, have you just learned to do that? And you're trying your best to show off to everybody. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% 100%. trying to get the uh, cameras on him, isn't he? Like, you know, when um, Dan Bigger... You know when Dan Bigger, like, sat by the post to, like is in like his chill mode in one of the internationals. Got loads of time, didn't he? Loads of TV time. yeah, he's obviously doing that, showing how skillful right. he is. It's it's a real hooker skill, though, spinning a ball on your finger. And it's a bit like my dad always says when before a kickoff, when a 10 bounces the ball. And my dad's like, do you know why they can do that? Or do you know why they do that? Why? Because they can. And it is so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's ten, like, why? Well, I suppose it's it's to see how reactive the floor is, but it's not going to really change, is it? Let's be honest. Whatever we start, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Wilkinson getting partially deflated balls on the pitch. Whoa. Um, you know one of the, wor- the weirdest things that have ever happened at kickoff for me? We were yeah. over in France and um, they're renowned for like slightly odd pre-match entertainment with like VIPs and guests and stuff. Yeah. And um, this dignitary came onto the field and then there was this woman like scurrying behind him and 
she had a cockerel and it was a live cockerel and he basically was handed this cockerel and then handed this rugby ball he put the cockerel down which decided to run off and then he then he <laughs> kicked the ball to restart it and one of the England girls caught it as if like game on here we go everyone was like looking at each other like are we supposed to be starting you know I, I, um, <laughs> I was talking to my friend Starkey earlier on and we were talking about innovations and there have been a lot of promised innovations around um, Amazon showing the rugby which I haven't seen many of yet but um, I've been watching Amazon rather than Prime Oh, sorry. Um, I, I worked on Prime and there weren't any on there either. But I think it's, I was talking to another friend who says, oh, we need to get like more celebrities involved in rugby. Like just get like a general, like bigger interest. Maybe that's what we could have. Like a celebrity starts the game. Could you imagine the panic yeah. if someone caught it and did like, well, remember James Corden did something years ago and it was just the worst photograph in an English shot I've ever seen. He's wearing a headband. His belly is like all over his shorts. It's uh, honestly terrible. And you know what? These um, Afro ones look even more unforgiving, I have to say. You know, you talk about the um, creativity from Prime. So the difference that they've got is they've got, I think it's four or five cameras on the posts. And yeah, actually I got to see them. That's been done. It's just like worm cam all over again. It yeah, absolutely but I, blows my mind. But I, um, I mean, it might not be new, but I saw them before, um, before the tournament all kicked off because they were showing like different things that was going to be happening with the commentary um, and with stuff. Obviously I'm doing like the highlight show, so it's slightly different, but the angles that they do show are pretty cool. Um, I think there needs to be some more microphones around the place. I know that players sometimes are mic'd up and bits, but um, although to be fair, we can actually hear quite a lot of what the players Absolutely. are saying because there's no crowd. I think we've been promised quite a lot of um, innovation through this Autumn Nations Cup. And obviously, as somebody who has watched rugby a long time and, and worked on it a long time, I'm failing to see it. And what disappoints me as a rugby fan, not as a broadcast professional, is that you can watch the NFL week in, week out and see incredible innovation week in, week out, things that change every week and telestration and stuff like that. And how good would it have been on Saturday to see just how quickly Johnny May had run for that try and how many meters he'd covered during the game and how many defenders he'd beaten and seen that visually on screen in terms of stats. And I think that's where putting cameras on poles, back cam, spider cam, posts, worm cam as Sky Sports once tried back in the day, isn't going to attract new viewers to the game, but showing why rugby players are so skillful in a game that can be quite inaccessible to those who haven't grown up watching it or haven't grown up playing it is going to attract a new audience. That's how we make superstars. That's how we show how cool this sport can be and how talented some of these players are. And that's what I want to see. That's the innovation that we need to see. And it's quite interesting that on the sevens, I know it's something that, um, so a lot of the World Seven series is directed by a guy called Striv and his son works on it now. And he's a huge basketball fan and really simple things like scoring sequence just comes up now with just badges, just to show you how that game, especially when it's a close game, it'll be Canada badge, New Zealand badge, New Zealand badge, New Zealand badge, Canada badge. So you can just get a really visual representation of what that scoreline means. So it might be, you know, 30 points to 15, 
but if Canada came out of the blocks quickly and you see two Canada badges and then you see New Zealand came back afterwards, they're the visual representations that are going to explain our game a little bit better to people. And I just think we need can to... I just, um, can I just pop in and just say, can you just breathe a second? Because I feel like you're really passionate about this. I am. Um, I, I feel really <laughs> and what, You know what? What they did? So they tried in 2016 at, at the Olympic Games. Um, I, I went with Team GB. Um, I... Um, <laughs> Um, they tried to do live run-ins for our GPS units or our mini sat-navs yeah. as I call them. Um, but the problem was, was that they would then show how quickly players were going and it, just what you said. And we were like, oh, awesome. The problem with that is that information is crucial for um, game time. It's, cru it's used internally by the teams. But if you're going to do it, and this is where I suppose technology advancements, that was four years ago, where we're at now, what they were saying is that if we're going to do this live streaming of your statistics, you have to wear our units and therefore your shirts are going to have to be designed different to have the pouches because they're all different yeah. sizes. But also, more importantly, um, actually, they wouldn't have the access to that immediately. And in sevens, obviously, you know, you've got two games and you're using it is crucial. Um, I think every nation also had to sign up to be able to give that stat, give those stats over to everyone because it would become public knowledge and public property. Um, so yeah, I think that I really like that idea. And on the replays that with the HSBC series, they show how fast people go in kilometers per hour. Um, and that is cool. Like it is good because yeah. it, it would be good to have what that means maybe in miles per hour, or is that, you know as someone cycling at that speed what does it mean like you know to put it into context um but I, yeah i think maybe we can can go a little bit further with the um, technology now i think we got to a point where and certainly if you're a football fan and you watch monday night football everyone knows how good gary neville is at his touch screens and we've come kind of come to a point where we've abandoned that a little bit in rugby and that's what i find disappointing because I am a big rugby fan, as you well know. Like rugby is my my what I do in my spare time and what I do in my paid time. But I have a real concern about the direction of where this sport is going and how accessible it is and how interesting it is to people. I'm bored of rugby. I'm bored of rugby over the past. Oh, few hey, no, I am. Like, the the no, Argentina game. Don't tell me. Don't tell me you're bored of my highlight show. I think. Io and I are doing a great job of being fresh. Yeah, I watched fun. the links. I fast forwarded <laughs> through the action. Like that's where that's where we are with rugby at the moment. The Argentina game last weekend, then beating New Zealand was amazing. It shouldn't be one game out of every ten that we can get hyped about. Johnny May's tries were immense on Saturday. Both of them superb. The rest of the game wasn't great. It's a great advert that the pick of the games on the weekend was the Red Roses. Yeah, and. Um... Although what's really difficult is as a rugby purist and watching them as an ex-Red Rose, they actually didn't play very well. For the <laughs> pundit, it was, um, and someone, you know, tuning in on the first time on BBC to like seeing rugby. And then, you know, for me, I think England losing wouldn't have been a bad thing. I know it would have hurt desperately for the girls to take it, but it would, it would be a hurt that they could then store and harness moving forward into next year. But actually, my, I was talking to Miles Harrison, the lead comms that I was working with um, on the men's, and he was like, actually, you know what? For a BBC audience tuning in for the first time, they got to see the Red Roses nick it at the end. And that was exciting. It was um, competitive. And 
yeah, there was drama, you know, which we haven't seen in many games recently, that real unknown of who's going to win and what's going to happen. And were there as many tries in that game as there were in the men's internationals over the course of the rest of the day as well, which at the end of the day, I don't care how much of a purist you are, it is going to attract people to our game, seeing tries scored. I also want to pick up on the fact that we've seen a lot of tweets about it, but there were 700,000 viewers for that game on Terrestrial, which might not seem like a huge amount to people, but to put that into context, that's how much a men's international game would get five years ago on Sky Sports, a men's international match. They would have been peaking against New Zealand with a million viewers. 700,000 viewers at its peak is huge. That is not to be ignored. And if nothing else, I hope that says to corporate bodies, to broadcasters, there is a massive appetite for women's sport. Yeah, nice class. And actually, I think it was the fact that it was, I think it was slightly more the week before, but maybe because of timings. Um, But actually, it's just exposed people to the women's game. And unfortunately, like I say, England's attack was... It was pretty disjointed. Um, it was pretty disappointing at times. Um, they just didn't, there wasn't really that much flow. Um, I think they're kicking a lot and, and that's fine. And they're using that as an attacking weapon. But actually some of the time it's a little bit loose. It's a little bit wayward. And, and actually they need to tighten those kind of moments up. Um, I think Ellie Kildan took a really decent try, um, helped by a Waspy teammate, Claudia McDonald, shoving her over. It was like a proper, like a backs version of a pick and go. It was class. <laughs> um, and, you know, big shout out to Harriet Miller-Mills. Foxy, um, getting player of the match. She, it was so funny. Like, so after every test match, whenever we played, we called her Foxy because she looked like roadkill. Because um, <laughs> she just was so, like mascara everywhere, hair everywhere, just exhausted like this. I oh, look about her. Um, and they said, I, don't, I think they actually said that they didn't need her to be interviewed. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know whether she was or not, but I just think it's funny. That's probably because they think she's getting so much airtime with her Guinness advert, which is on every <laughs> half time of every month. My dad said to me on Sunday, do you know her? I was like, has, yeah. Yeah, great advert. Great. One thing I want to ask about that game is how much do you think England will learn from coming from behind to win a match? That's a very rare thing for the Red Roses. Um, It is at the moment. Um, They've beaten France seven consecutive times now. Um, And I think they've just been used to smashing teams and no one's really stayed with them. Um, And it, and the, you know, as I say, I don't think losing would have been a bad thing and, and where they were at because some of those girls have never even lost in an England shirt. Um, so we came from behind in 2017 um, at Twickenham um, and uh, it was a big moment for us and it was a statement that we needed to make going into winning that Grand Slam and into the World Cup. So I think that... <clears throat> when you're coming from behind and a team is really pressuring you, it changes your decision-making. It puts a a slight spin of panic in there. Um, It means that you have to take opportunities. It's not like if an opportunity comes, you'll get another one in a couple of minutes. Actually, you have to take it because they're punishing you with points. And those are the moments that are critical in a World Cup cycle and going into the last year. Because in World Cups, and especially going into next year, there's three knockout rounds now. And if the pools work out where 
they end up with a top team in a quarterfinal, um, they need to know that they've got the confidence and ability to, to see it through um, and kind of have that winning mentality. I asked you earlier if you think having this additional level of knockout rugby in the World Cup is a positive and you said yes. But do you think that needs to come with an additional pool, especially when we see the teams that potentially are going to miss out on qualification, especially from Europe for next um, year? I think um, I'd really like another pool, um, maybe not another pool, but um, <laughs> I actually think that the restrictions of 12 teams, I think, has traditionally come from the cost of running the tournament, um, but also making sure that you haven't got this huge, like, gap between the top teams and then the bottom teams we've already kind of got that sometimes when you see you know, mm -hmm. New Zealand putting over 100 points on Japan in, in 2017 but yeah. um, <clears throat> I think I, I, I completely agree I think that there's definitely the talent um, across Europe the, the teams that are going to miss out uh, it's gutting that those I can't imagine a World Cup without them if that kind of yeah. makes sense um, when you think between Ireland Scotland Spain and Italy only one of those four teams is going to be there well, no, one will go from Europe and potentially oh, yeah, one, one will go from the World Rapper Shard. Yeah. Um, but, but only one is guaranteed to be there then. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is pretty crazy. Um, I think just looking at the pools and the draw, like hat tip to New Zealand, they did a superb job. I got goosebumps. I got really like weird emotions. Um, I was really excited. I was quite nervous, weirdly. Um, I before I've always taken an interest and it's kind of, I don't know, I've been excited in a like, yeah, right, let's go yeah. kind of thing because I can play. But I think it's just this weird sensation for the first time in four World Cups. I'm not, it's, it, it's irrelevant to me because. Because you I'm can't affect the results. Does it make you more nervous about England yeah. games? Um, I don't know. I think it's more. It's more that I want to have that that opportunity, you know. I just World Cups. This this kind of moment in in a year before World Cup is just it starts to really make things come true and real and exciting. And when you've been through it, you know, when the first time you don't really know, it's like exciting, it's amazing. And then you know, we come to the fourth fourth one, and I'm like, I know what this is about. Like yeah. this is serious. This is awesome. Seeing it done in such a professional way, excite. Like it's just makes it even more exciting. And I actually commented to Simone and said, for the first time ever, I've realized how hard it must have been for the women that came before me, because I went through a generation where the game wasn't really watched at all to, you know, been played in stadiums, professional contracts, live on TV. You know, they never got to experience that exposure. They are, they were world-class players, incredible women, incredible rugby players. They never got that exposure. And there's, and it's not jealousy, because you're like, you you're not jealous of them because you're proud yeah. of them getting it but it's just like oh I wish I could be part yeah. of it now you know um but yeah, I, I think sorry go on no I was gonna say I think what was amazing was when um when the pools were announced I genuinely gasped when um <laughs> so New Zealand had pulled Australia and the crowd were like way yeah. like way fans the trans-Tasman uh, derby yeah we're gonna get better than that pool b uh, um yeah, and then Paul B was um, pulled and uh, it was um, Canada, America. And I genuinely gasped because I was like, oh, that means North England, France. <laughs> but I was like, that means England, France on the other one. Oh, my God. Um, but I think, uh, I, and I actually think looking at the pools, England have got the hardest one. Um, yeah. 
you know, for anyone that's not massive rugby fans or know that much about women's rugby, South Africa aren't the level that the men are. Like they're, they're not, they haven't had that much funding. They haven't had that much support, but they have had more test matches in recent years. I actually played in the, their first ever test match. They traveled to England. Um, and Six, uh, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, in black and white. Um, I actually got a shirt from that game. I'll show you one day. Um, oh, down at Big C's. But um, they're tough women. You know, they're tough, they're physical, and it's the first time Fiji are in a World Cup. And if there's they're anything like um, they are in the Seventh Circuit, my God, they hurt when they tackle you. So um, I don't know whether they'll be able to live with England's technicality, you know, at set piece. Um, but I, I think we can guarantee that there'll be some fun in attack when they've got the ball. Um, but in defence, if England just want to run into them, they're going to be sat on there. It's also, <laughs> I, I think because it's in New Zealand as well. So I was at the Hamilton Sevens 2019 and Wales were in a group with Fiji and didn't really think about the fact that the game was being played in New Zealand and I'm in the stand, you know, I wasn't working the event. It's just on the beers with, you know, my best friend growing up, two Welsh girls had a big daffodil hat on like, yeah, Wales came out and we stood up, we were cheering and there were a couple of Kiwis in front of us. And actually Michaela Blyde's boyfriend who plays for the Chiefs was there and he's like, oh, I'll be Welsh for the day. And we were like, yeah, yeah. And Fiji came out and every other person in the stadium stood up and it was just <laughs> full of Fijians. And I hadn't really kind of thought about the fact that they would be so well supported. And that's what's going to be really special for them at the yeah. World Cup, that they will have support in their droves. And, and the other thing about that trip for me is that the day before the Sevens, because I'm such a hardcore anorak, I went on the Eden Park tour. And when I was there... They were talking about the big events that they had coming up and they said, and we're going to host the Women's World Cup final here in 2021. And I was really excited about that. And I can remember saying to a few friends who work in rugby and work in rugby broadcast, oh, the Kiwis are really excited about it. And they said, oh, no, they're paying lip service. And actually watching that draw and the prime minister of the country being a part of that and a woman who is becoming a real icon of of global politics and culture and social consciousness and and feminism and you just thought no they're not paying lip service rugby is in their blood in New Zealand and this event is going to be amazing and you know that she'll be out grabbing people by the ear and chucking them in the yeah, stadium exactly. <laughs> what are you doing today you're going to the game I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm really pleased that Wales have got some new coaching this week. I'm glad that Rachel Taylor is, they've brought her down from the North. The queen of the North will be uh, the new national skills coach for the women's side. Um, I just think it's really positive moves that they've brought women's coaches into the environment. I personally had a bit of a complaint about that over the past couple of years, that it's been a little bit of a job swap at the Welsh Rugby Union. Um, you coach the 20s, you can coach the men's sevens. We'll swap you around again. You're on contract. We haven't got a job for you. You can go and coach the girls. They're an afterthought. This feels like a set of appointments with Abrams and Taylor that are fit for purpose, that are there for a reason. So I'm really pleased for them. I'm pleased for the girls. They seem pretty positive about it too. Yeah, I know Warren's, I, I know Warren through his role at Quinns and um, England Sevens. And I actually haven't been coached by Warren because I was out injured when he was there. And then I think I toured a couple of times um, and when he was back in England and, and delivering skills and stuff to the girls. And um yeah I think he's spoken very highly from all of the players he's very very creative I'd be interested to see who comes in to deliver set piece I think you know they've got to have I think Tails can do you know being a back rower and obviously he's got fantastic knowledge of the game generally um but you have to have a specialist deliver that front you know that real front five grunty stuff I think we call it scrums and lineups but um it'd be good to see it'd be good to see who they bring in um should we talk about some other games that have happened? Or Yeah, let's. Um, so England men, I thought, very interesting post-match interview with uh, Eddie Jones, conducted by Rob Vickerman, where Vicks basically said to him, D is what you're concentrating on and attack's going to be left until after the Lions. And Eddie was like, yeah, defence is key at the moment. And I just think that's really, it, it's interesting that he was quite happy to admit that, that they're prioritising one over the other and getting those processes, as they love to call them, in place one at a time as opposed to hand in hand. But I'm interested from your perspective with your coaching hat on, if you think that is the right approach. Um, so the way the game goes and evolves is in, in waves. So you see different styles of defence. And then what happens is people like work that out. So you go, right, this is how we can defend this type of attack. And then you kind of, and then what you see is someone go really clever and go, well, actually, this is what we can do to beat that type of a defence. And what you ha what you see is actually it go far more attack focused in the build up to a World Cup. Um, so I'm not surprised. So then you get this really creative. This is how we attack. This is us. This is the players I've got. And you're more honed in because you, for me, I would base my attack principles around getting the best out of who were my squad. I'd have my own kind of ethos, but I, this is who we've got and this is what we're going to do. And so you see this real attack focus going into World Cup. You see loads of stuff you've maybe never seen before because um, that's how you score the tries. 
and then defence, and then you see the following season, right, defence, we need to sort out how to stop this bloody attack. And so you kind of, it is a cyclical process that people probably don't really appreciate um, because they are both come hand in hand. I think what he's working out at the moment and why I think maybe there isn't a massive focus is who is his team moving forward to the World Cup? Who are his best players, you know? Is Oli Lawrence the new Manu Tuolangi? You know, is he going to really step up in games? And you can't ask too much of players because you also want to see who they are in a white shirt. Yeah. You bring a different flavour, you bring a different... You know, interestingly, Oli Lawrence has been kind of quite under the radar on 13. He swapped defensively and in attack actually a few times with Henry Slade. So that, that kind of centre partnership was shifting around. Again, interestingly, he's playing Slade over Ford. Obviously, Ford's been injured. So that kind of like Farrell-Ford combination or Ford-Farrell combination. But I think that I'm not surprised that that's what he's done. And it's actually quite nice and maybe open. I think maybe the explanation is what people need um, to understand that it's not because we've forgotten that attack is important and we don't care about scoring tries and we just want to go and smash people. Like, that's not the case. It's just not overcomplicate things. Keep it simple. Bring new people into the shirt. See what they bring brilliant this is how we're gonna this is how we're gonna get the best out of x y and z um and actually talking about the best you mentioned it earlier johnny may's tries oh my goodness to see them live were amazing and i genuinely was nearly speechless yeah i literally was like just reeling off all of these is it superlatives i was like brilliant excellent amazing wow woo like actually say what's happening and then jerry flannery who i was commentating with amazing bloke by the way just absolutely lush brilliant guy yeah also has coached canadian women and so knew jen kish and was like she's crazy like crazy <laughs> good player like superwoman like anyway um he was brilliant and then he like had to describe through as a hooker had to describe through this back like back three play because I was like ah! <laughs> it was phenomenal and it was do you know what his first try was so superbly taken that if he hadn't scored the second one he is unbeatable in the air he is so safe in the air he just flies he it, it reminded me of um there's a Tommy Bow try from the Heineken Cup about six years ago that we went on and on and on about for about two seasons afterwards and Johnny May now does that on a weekly basis phenomenal but can I just say try, though the sure. first try. Yeah. So it was actually, uh, so England had done a crossfield and in commentary, I was like, can't believe they didn't kick it to Johnny. This is where he needs to be set up one V one against Keenan. I'd back him. It's a great duel. Next play. Oh, cheers Waterman. Yep. They did it. And he scored. Well, I heard <laughs> that um, Owen Farrell was wearing a commentary headset that you can, because obviously there's no fans. I was pointing like, actually. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was um it was phenomenal spoken to a few friends did scrum five yesterday johnny may has got to be the first player on that lions well he's pretty much the only one at the moment that is like oh, ridiculous wow. that's not a lion yeah i, I think he um, i think he's certainly the first name on anyone's test team sheet at the moment but wasn't man of the match yeah flats has taken so much grief for that I do think there is now becoming an issue where Flats has got, I don't know what you'd call it, anti-back player item. <laughs> you know, what's really hard 
is and i'm and i kind of go to full weirdly like i've given front rowers like but i'm like at the extreme i'm like let's go for a tight head like yeah boom play of the match and um, i can't remember what, who i was commentating with and when i suggested it they like looked at me and were like are you joking no it was because you're wales a barbarians wales barbarians i gave one of the props player of the match we and it was even better because was, i was commentating with shane williams <laughs> so shane anyway. had no idea what was going on anyway um i think what's hard is people are like oh um you know you can't just give it to the outside backs like scoring these wonder tries like everyone else works hard like they create the platform stuff the one thing about johnny may and this is super nerdy super geeky he does the wonder stuff so he leaps in the air like a salmon he scores that ridiculous coast to coast try he is the biggest Kino tryhard around the field. The celebrations, the That's kick chase, the ta- like the tackling. He is, he is incredible at everything else and I think that that's why I'm like buzzing about him because I'm like he's so so much more than the fast kid and I just I think that that's that's why I think to be fair, Flats is a bit of a harsh call to give it to a Toji. One thing with the Toji, though, I will say is um, he obviously, this week it was announced that he's been picked up by Rock Nation, which Sears with them already, Sears is with them already, but immense when you've got DJ Khaled announcing that Mauro Toji is now with Rock Nation. Loved that. But it also did mean I could break out my tweet from 2015 that says, Mauro Toji, Lions Captain 2021, just call me Mystic Meg and the amount of people who reply and they're like that's not that much of a hail mary i'm like look at the date of the tweet tweet that in 2015 at the end of 20s world cup let's just see what happens you love it don't you how how happy that's like the biggest chufty smiles ever (laughs) i'm such a nerd in in the office yesterday we were talking about a toje and i was like i literally felt so sad i was like oh i've got to dig out this article for you that tom hamilton wrote when he was playing in the under 20s about his poetry they were like what why can you remember that and i was well because you know i i thought he was for the future i love rugby because i love rugby (laughs) anyway because you you do love rugby let's rattle through the other games um wales georgia um, can I just say, Callum Sheedy was superb. Um, and considering he had a newbie, was it Johnny Williams? Yeah, Johnny Williams. Um, first cap outside in as well. Kieran Hardy, first cap scrum half. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think actually, I, although I did say he potentially has the um, capacity to be quite calm because that's how he is as a player. Yeah. Um, he was chucked in at the deep end and he did a fantastic job. And he, the pass he did for um, Reece Summit's um, try was amazing. I was trying to explain it for the highlight show about how the role of the 15 is really important. And that I think it was to kind of give myself more credit when I was playing <laughs> the ball. That, Constantly. And the ball Unlike you. Um, but actually I was talking to John, the producer and explaining it and he was fascinated because I was like, it's a spoon shape. So we would talk about it as a spoon. So you've got first receiver, fullback, winger. The winger is promoted. So therefore you're kind of like in a spoon shape. And that actually is practice. Like we would practice that with England because as the fullback in that, if you overrun it, you block the pass. If you're too deep, the defenders can shift off you. Um, And it's something that we work really, really hard on. Um, I think you 
got a little bit bored when we were 15 minutes into me describing <laughs> the spoon but um yeah so that was really you know, cool. it's interesting that you say that because something that we picked up on yesterday was that um and i know that pat lamb has picked up on this because i interviewed him yesterday is that liam williams has been quite vocal about how well sheedy has fit in and mm that's obviously becoming quite an important relationship the fact that Liam Williams has felt that he wanted to comment about how well they're working together and fitting in so but fundamentally your 10 and 15 are your are your playmakers so they're the people that are seeing the game the 10 is under the pressure to make the decisions but the fullback's got to be able to communicate it you've got more time and space than anyone on the field and you've got to basically be one of the best tacticians tacticianers is that right tacticians um yeah so if you can't if you can't if you can't work with your fly half and give them the information you know then like so actually it's a massive credit to Callum Sheedy that Liam Williams as experienced as he is um is saying that about him because obviously he has and I think that that's people forget about that relationship you know fullbacks are often the ones that that will call um, phase plays because they're too out from the pressure the yeah. 10 doesn't need to you know so they will be calling the skip pass the switch whatever space in behind the kicks if if you can if anyone's watching look in at the 15s if you can see their face see how much communicating they're doing because it's something that um obviously i struggled with because i wasn't that confident talking um, <laughs> <laughs> That came after you retired, did it? Scouts was like, shut up! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and in my ear, you're like nails on a blackboard. Talking about nails, got nice nails now. Oh, look at you, um, anyway, Scotland, France. Just one thing I want to ask you about that before we move on to Scotland, France. I know that you've had your opinions on whether Sheedy should, should start previously. <laughs> <laughs> and don't throw him in too early. And I'm like, no, 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 get him in. I do worry if he was to start against England, would he be very targeted? Do you think that Bigger has to come back in for this Saturday's game? Um, it depends on who they've got. And I, this is where my knowledge of Welsh rugby isn't great. So I apologise. But it depends on who they've really got at nine and 12 to support him. Start at nine. So you've got um, the British and Irish Yeah, although, although saying that, I think, you know, he is a good player, but he's trying too hard at the moment. He hasn't, he hasn't found his groove. Um, so, but that's saying that, they, they combined well for when he did come on. Um, I think it's, it's the players around him. If there is enough experience in the centres, obviously you put Reese Webb in there, I think well, he would be a good option. either be Watkin... Johnny Williams or Tompkins, Johnny Williams. I'd like to see Tompkins there. I really yeah, like I really you like know, I think, um, you know, Dan Bigger is a, is, a, is a superb player because he's so abrasive. And I think that if, if there's anybody that's going to rip into England, you need someone to do that from the start. And I'm not saying that Callum won't get stuck into them, but it's a very different type of game. Um, I don't think, I personally don't think they need to expose him. He's done a really good job against Georgia, put him on the bench, give him plenty of game time um, and not expect too much from him. And don't tell him to go on and change the game because yeah. that's what happened. You get message from it. Uh, can you, you know, go on, change the game. All right, cool. Make something happen. And I guess as well, like I, I hate, you know, I'm always, by Friday night, I'll think that Wales are going to put 50 points on England. At this point on Tuesday, I think England are easily going to put 50 points on Wales. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I am dreading it and I'm working at the game. Um, 
the likelihood is that Wales play Italy the weekend after, which you think is the ideal scenario for Sheedy to start again. So protecting him this weekend, perhaps, feels yeah. like the most sensible move. So Scotland, France, we hadn't seen France the weekend before. They got their 28, 26 nil, 28. 28 over Fiji, who obviously have not been able to play throughout the pool stages of the Autumn Nations Cup because of COVID. Uh, remains to be seen whether they will be able to play the weekend after this. Um, what did you make of France? That you know, this is the second coming. This is the new generation of France. Did they impress? Not really. They were just a bit um, like you know what actually. So I don't know. It was a bit of a. It was just a bit of a crappy game. The weather wasn't yeah. great. They went out to win it. Um, it was good and exciting because it was like they were going toe to toe with penalties. Um, I think I would have wanted to see more from that French side in attack, but they didn't need to because they were they were constantly kind of nudging ahead with yeah. taking the kicks. Um, one thing that was impressive and they did a really good job of, and people think it just happens um, quite often. It's got into crap with ball in hand in contact loads of knock-ons in the second half, like loads of like spilt ball. And actually a lot of it comes down to tackle technique and also the trailing lines of defenders. So what we've come to see from Scotland is lots of offloading. So they keep the ball alive. They keep, they're really creative. Now, Sean Edwards has done a really, obviously very, very good at what he does in defence. And the French players were getting in between the Scots. And so yeah. when they were, for, when they were passing the ball, they were, it was getting knocked down. It was, it was all a bit of a mess. Um, that's tactically decided before the game to stop to stop them being able to do that so um i think france did a good job from that perspective i think there'll be a totally different team against italy this weekend because they will have gone right we can breathe out we lost in scotland earlier the year but we've won now and yeah. we're on we're on a roll um yeah so i think i'm just one thing i'm, I'm just gutted that um Stuart Hogg missed that kick at the end just because i know how hard and passionate how hard he works and how passionate he is and you could see it in his face just like oh, God's sake, like, and it's it's such a difficult one because actually they completely butchered the line out a couple of minutes earlier. Yeah. And there's loads of times, so you can't blame him. But I'm sure that he will take that on his shoulders also, a little bit. As much as they've that uh, those unbeaten games have come to an end, you kind of think don't you don't want them to get too downhearted. And with no disrespect to Donkey Weir, he is their third choice ten, and you do think or you do wonder if Adam Hastings or Finn Russell had started on Saturday. Would things have been different? Would Sean Edwards have mm. coached that France defence differently? Because you, obviously with Finn, you never know what to expect. But Adam's also a very, very creative playmaker at 10. So, you know, you... Well, it's, the running, it's the running threat that they both have. So you yeah. don't have to defend that with Duncan Weir. Um, but to be fair... He's got decent boots and he has a different boot and a decent boot <laughs> with the penalties. I like this at Addy, that's classics. Um, I'm conscious we need to kind of wrap up. We've We've rattled through some of the games. Um, Prem 15s. Oh, Prem 15s. Yeah, no, it's... I'm going to keep saying it. Prem 15s. (laughs) Allianz Premier 15s is being played still. Can I just give a shout out to that? Because it's going under the radar at the moment. Yeah. But it isn't for the players. It is opportunities to be playing um, for people that aren't involved in England, for the Sevens girls that... There's been a few of them that have gone into England camp and come back out again. 
and them getting regular game time is massive as we move into the new year so that's really really cool um so well done and, and then Gallagher great you know I've, I've mentioned this before the Wales girls aren't playing internationals at this point but there's a world cup at the end of this season and they're getting high quality rugby in the premier 15s and you know we were in the same group as new zealand next september but you'd hope that this is going to have a huge impact on them um, and all we need now is somebody starts showing this competition on tv with a bit of regularity there's yeah. an appetite for women's rugby we've said it once in this pub let's hammer it home again let's get some more of this on tv hammer it home. <laughs> um yeah and then the other side of the the other side of the premiership gallagher gallagher prem started Bath losing to Newcastle would, was at home not what I expected. Leicester spanked Gloucester. But um, you know what? It's that old cliche of as soon as you get rid of a coach, a team win, and nothing can change. And and, it's so and sad for the coach because I feel so someone sad. like you know Jordan's been there for two hundred years, and I remember you know like I Leicester Gloucester or Gloucester Leicester was on the first rugby matches I ever went to see and I think he was playing in it I was about seven years old so you know that mm. man is is bleeds red white and green and I feel really sad for him but it just shows it was a little bit like when die left wasps yeah I was, uh, I was thinking that. that instant spark isn't it so it's sad and it's an old adage it happens every weekend have to have a word on the fact that England looked great on the weekend and the players that they're not picking and Sam Simmons scoring a hat trick I, can I just can I just mention if he, right if he wasn't ginger I actually think he'd be my perfect man <laughs> on that um him scoring a hat trick so restart rugby which is a charity that looks after professional players um in England they um they have combined with the rugby magazine and they're doing a fantasy uh rugby is it tournament competition, yeah, competition. um and anyone that pays to have the extra like support and levels of detail which my brother sam did of course he did because he's a nose um 50 percent of that goes to the charity which is amazing oh, um so anyway i was asked to do it and i've never done one before so i had no idea that it would take me about three hours because you have to work out the salary cap and i was like getting fully into it i like went to bed at about one o'clock in the morning because i was like i need to get this right um can i just say i think i did all right i got 400 and something points Right. Sam texts me on Monday with a photograph saying smashing everyone, aren't I? But I'm called Jobs Are Good and that's my team. Sam's is fourth best fallback. So <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna ask him to change it because I feel like Simone would be fourth, you'd be fifth, mum would be sixth, and then he needs to be seventh. So I don't think um, I would rank above Big Sue as it stands. That woman has run a marathon age 70 years old yeah true. who gets in at fifth i'll take sixth okay well sam's still at seventh anyway seventh heaven but, it, but actually the reason i brought that up is because you get double points for your captain um and oh i picked simmons <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's the only reason i got loads of points was because i picked him um and then the other other team i've been looking at because i was like right strategy and this is probably an interesting point um just about how the thing hashtag yeah no, but how the um how the the league is going to go this year because i was talking to fergie earlier on in the year matt ferguson from northampton and 
he was thinking, you know, the premiership last year was all a bit of a mess because of Saris and the, the debacle of that. And then this year it's going to be a mess because so many players are going to be out with international duty. They're literally available for like two games. Yeah. Um, maybe a bit more than that, but yeah, you know what I mean? But I picked loads of my team from Sale in particular because um, they have lots of players that aren't going to be lo- aren't going to yeah. be missing. So um, yeah, and also I'm watching Steve Diamond's interview. So it's the first time he's taken five points from the first game in more than ten years. Yeah, and I think on a bit more of a serious note, other than my fantasy rugby team, I will be updating everyone on jobs are good in. But um, oh, we can't wait. Yeah, um, but you'll have to work out a hashtag for it. Hashtag jobs are given. Hashtag okay, okay, yeah. Um, I've spelled it good and G O O D U N. Okay, there keep, you go. Keep so a look out for that one, guys. <laughs> Influencer, what? Um, but anyway, on a more serious note, I think what is going to be interesting and when I'm speaking to Fergie is. Actually, if you're going to be spending all of this money on your England internationals and then they are not available to you, are we going to see a shift in money being spent on other other nations, bringing them in? Like, you know, Sale have got a whole heap of South Africans. I think yeah. thanks to Faf de Klerk, he's done a whole load of recruitment into Manchester. Um, but we've, they've also got AJ McGinty, an American, who's really finding his feet in the premiership now. Um, are we going to see players that aren't going to be pulled away for duty? Um, and then also, you know, how many of those younger players are we going to see coming through the academy? Because last the end of last year, it got a little bit ridiculous on the squad rotation because they were just blooded way too soon. And they... It, it, it showed the difference between academy yeah. and senior level rugby. Um, so I hope that, it, I mean, to be fair, as a weekend of rugby, some of it was absolutely class in the premiership. Um, so I don't think we're going to, um, you know, miss out on high level rugby, but it's just how that is sustainable for a very, very yeah. long year. And actually one thing I want to say before we finish today is um, I think BT need to be hugely commended for the fact that they have said they're going to show every game every weekend whilst fans aren't allowed in and I just think that's really awesome you know I I don't think people necessarily realize the expense of showing live rugby and it is a massive deal to clubs to to keep them in people's consciousness and awareness and um as much as it doesn't always suit clubs to be televised all the time because it stops people going being able to watch clubs every weekend means that you're not having to seek out results in such a difficult way and it doesn't fall out of your mind. And I just think a massive, massive well done for BT for deciding to do that and, and to the yeah. league for making that happen because it's really important and we need to really think about the future of our clubs and how we're going to support them and, and get through this next few months because I think a lot of us probably thought it would be over by now. It isn't. And it certainly isn't going to be financially for them. So it's great. And actually, I like to flip that on its head. I completely agree. Like, absolutely getting them on is is a lot harder work. But when you, I'm now seeing behind the scenes of how it actually, how actually it all happens, um, that 
that's why we need more women's rugby on TV regularly or online or being streamed. Um, but it isn't possible to do every single game because it is so expensive. But to keep the women's premiership in people's minds, it does need to be on a regular platform where people can access it and know where to go. And it's promoted early. And, um, and I think it is kind of happening with one game a week um, being done. But they need to work even harder during the, the week with highlights, with all sorts of stuff, whilst there's so many other games being pushed through channels just so it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, and do you know what? I want to know a number of the women's clubs are partnered with the men's clubs in the premiership. There is no crowd. There's no having to worry about additional stewarding, about getting people through the gates, getting people in and out for tickets. If there's a, a, a camera OB set up there, why aren't we seeing double header matches? I know that we're not in a great time of year because of pitch conditions and playing multiple games on a pitch over a course of a weekend. But if a stadium is rigged, why can't we double this up a little bit and get some more women's games on TV? I'm not saying every game every weekend, but there's but this is where this is where I feel like the RFU fall down because they they don't look at how they can align double headers very well with the men because they've got like the women's league that's announced and then the men's the men's league's announced and then the women's league. They don't think, oh, actually, you know what? We could just flip the games. We could yeah. it's our league and do what we want. And we can put these games here because that means that they can be a double header with theirs, but especially clubs like, you know, Exeter are playing at Sandy Park. The women are playing at Sandy Park at the moment. You know, Allianz makes no difference because it's artificial. Um, so I think, I think there's definitely someone just needs to organise it. Exact double headers. If both the men's and the women's teams in a Quinn situation, I know it's difficult because the Wasps girls are based out of Acton and the Wasps men are based out of Coventry. But if both those teams are at home sale both those teams are at home exeter both those teams are at home that weekend and there but, are there's a full what, OB at that ground why not no what i'm saying is they don't put them at the same time so they don't do that they don't put them on the same weekend so yeah. the 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 sale girls will be away and then the boys will be at home like they don't yeah. they're not looking at alignment so it doesn't need to be like the exact double header so i had yeah um, which I think is a really good point. But um, we said that we were going to keep this pod short, so I'm really pleased we've oh, been speaking for 14 hours. <laughs> now, I actually don't even know how long we've been talking. I don't... Oh, maybe it is quite long. Okay, then, well, should we say goodbye to everybody? Um, yeah, have a lovely week, Laura-Jane. Um, or uh, just signing off as Pat Lamb. Thanks, Laura. I donated it three times, and I didn't... I, I, I was like, ugh. But it's Pat Lamb, and you love him, and... To be honest, I get called CJ more than I get called LJ by coaches. And I assume that's because of CJ from Baywatch. So on that note. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.